Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Big Footy Hooligan Report podcast. I'm your host as always, SM, and with me tonight, as always, I have Cookson. Presenting our new sponsors, 7up. <laughs> that, that, that has taken on a new meaning this week, hasn't it? And joining us for the first time, we have a moderator in our presence. We have Red Alert along. Yeah, great to be here. All right, boys, let's jump into it. We'll, we'll breeze through the quarterfinals. We'll just touch over them quickly because they have been played since the last podcast. Um, so I want to grab your thoughts, first of all, Red Alert. Uh, yeah, it was definitely an interesting sort of bunch of games. Uh, I think we saw a big sort of shift in how teams were playing. Uh, it was a lot more defensive across, I think, all four sort of quarterfinals. Um, bit of a letdown, really, compared to the group stage. Yeah, I think it's been surprising. All four of the games, obviously excluding the uh, the Dutch Costa Rica game, it, they almost got decided by an early goal in all four. I mean, Brazil obviously ended up winning two one, but the other two, the early goal pretty much sealed the one nil win. So, like you're saying, it, it did seem a lot more smash and grab. Yep, and it's just more cagey, but that's inevitable in large tournaments. I mean, it starts out strong, then teams focus on not losing rather than scoring. Yeah, I think everyone was quite comfortable in thinking that the uh, all-time goals record would be broken, and I think it's slowing down quite quite considerably. Um, I guess the main talking point from the quarterfinals I wanted to bring up is obviously uh, the substitution made in the, the Dutch-Costa Rica game with Tim Krul coming on at the last minute for the penalty shootout. Um, obviously, it was successful in the end, but what did you guys think of it at the time? I thought it was a smart move by Van Gaal. I mean... Sillison has, he's quite terrible at penalties and Tim Krul guessed the correct direction each time. I, I read that before the match, um, Van Hal actually went through with him the, uh, suspected Costa Rican penalty lineup and actually went through uh, all that sort of thing. So it is quite amazing that they put so much detail into it. It's pretty much what, what Van Hal does. I mean, he does not leave anything to chance if he can. And if you also watch, Watched it, how he was, how Krul was doing. He walked the opposite direction in which they were going to go, so it was a bit of mind play there. Right, yeah. I was a bit surprised he went with um, Krul over Vorm, because I think Vorm has actually has a better record of penalties. That was that was my instinct as well. I was quite surprised. I thought Vorm, if you're going to bring on a keeper, Vorm seems to have a better record. I think the stat was uh, Krul saved 2 in 20 in the Premier League or something. Yeah, it's a bit uninspiring, but it worked in the end, so... It's more to presence and, well, I'll say it this way, but pretty much I think, uh, was it cruel could, you know, be a better sledger and all that, so it does help. Yeah, well, like you're saying, I think there was a bit of mind games going on, and I think when the keepers are changing over and all that sort of thing, Krul was getting in a few choice words as well. So, um, I mean, if it hadn't worked out, I was I would have found it quite funny if the Costa Rica had scored right before they got on the penalties, because uh, obviously it would have blown up in Van Hal's face, but like you're saying, it, it, it worked out in the end, so I guess we have to give him the credit for it. Um, and I guess the other talking point out of the quarters, perhaps Neymar's injury in the Brazil-Colombia game. Uh, there's been a bit of conjecture that it was, you know, there was malice in it, there was intent in it. Um, the, the players made the apology. And do you guys do you guys think it was intentional? Do you think there was anything in it? It was obviously quite a bad, obviously quite a bad injury to Neymar, but uh, it seemed just to be sort of in, in you know in the play of the game. Well, to me, it looked clumsy more than anything else. I don't think it was really deliberate as such. It was bad. It was a bad challenge, though. No doubt about that. But um, it was, yeah. wasn't anything too bad. Just 
it was a base of escalation, really. I mean, the referee just didn't control it at all. Should have probably maybe flashed a yellow card earlier on in that game, but yeah, it's probably just happens once every couple thousand times, and yeah, it's just a shame that Neymar's injured, but it's not like he would have made any difference, let's be honest. Yeah, and that's, I think that's a good segue to move on to the semis, because the next question is obviously, um, can you fault, can you can you blame uh, Brazil's performance on Neymar's absence, or is there anything that you can blame Brazil's performance on, other than just a completely woeful and you know choking sort of performance? Well, uh, Thiago Silva was a big loss. Uh, uh, that really did hurt them down back. Um, but more, they just sort of fell apart. Yeah, it's just you had what well, Mike on who was shit. You had David Luiz who oh he wants to be a striker, doesn't he? Somehow does he? <laughs> however, Chelsea got fifty million out of him. I don't know. I can just imagine Mourinho sitting back on uh, Luis. Never heard of him. Yeah, no yeah. refunds. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great impersonation. Yeah, I, I just oh, I think. Um, they were showing uh, highlights of the goals and, and footage of Louise just looking disbelievingly at, at, at everyone around him and not accepting the blame himself. But he was he was getting forward at every opportunity, and even when they were three, four, five goals down, he was still pressing forward. Well, it's, the marking for the first goal especially was just appalling. I mean, I, th- I think it was Mervo was just sitting alone in the six-yard box. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess um, in talking about their goals, you have to mention with their second goal that uh, Closer broke the all-time record for World Cup goals, uh, so congratulations to him. Yeah, Thomas Muller is chasing right behind him. He's already had ten goals, which is just ridiculous, really. Yeah, because how, how old's Muller? Twenty-four. Oh, jeez, yeah. That He's got another crazy. couple of World Cups ahead yeah. of him. So and yeah, it's, it's just we saw possibly the. I mean, I was watching that and I was stunned. I just couldn't believe, like, this is the World Cup semi-final. This is Brazil versus Germany. I expected tight, cagey game, not Germany to just give them a blitzkrieg of almighty proportions. <laughs> I think it was Cool Dude on the board who actually drew the comparison to the way that Liverpool dismantled Arsenal in that game, um, where they went up four nil inside was it twenty minutes. Uh, I just couldn't, I, like you, I just couldn't believe it. Just watching goal after goal, you thought surely, especially after half time, you thought surely Brazil will come out. Uh, they'll have a more defensive mindset. They'll be more to you know. Focused and prepared for it, and they conceded another two. Yeah, so they just kept scoring. It's incredible. Apparently, the Germans, like the Germans in half time, said, "Oh, we probably shouldn't try as hard." So they weren't. They were probably having a training run in the second half. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if um, I wonder if they were actually criticised after the game for giving up the clean sheet. <laughs> well, Neuer's pissed. Yeah, I'm sure he would be. Yeah, but is he ever happy? I don't think I've ever seen him smile. Well, Germans ever have you at all? <laughs> well, M- M- Muller as well. Muller seemed to be, you know, throwing himself all over the place all match, getting in the ref's face, and not happy at all. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think the Germans are ever happy, even when they're up seven nil. Who, who was your, who was your standout German for the match? If you had to pick one, well, from say Kreuz, I mean, just controlled the game wonderfully, scored two goals, the fastest brace in World Cup history, and he was just just fantastic in that game. I actually liked Sherwood's game a lot. I mean, he's come off the bench and he's grabbed a couple of goals. The uh, second one was just an uh, amazing strike. Yeah, I thought they both had great games. And, and I actually, on the topic of the, the fastest brace, I think Australia's now given up its record of the fastest three goals in the World Cup to uh, to Germany after that game, unfortunately. I, I quite liked us holding that record. <laughs> 
Well, we need to think positively. I mean, we got smashed by the Germans, but we didn't get smashed as bad as that. Yeah, I think that's definitely a highlight. And I, and I did quite enjoy the uh, Twitter hashtag that Tim Cahill started of Tim Cahilling from his picture with his shocked expression at the at the scoreline because I think that was sort of the tagline, which was at least we didn't get smashed by that much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just. You look at that and there's so much records for it. I mean, it's Brazil's worst defeat in their history. I mean, biggest ever winning margin in the semi-final or a final. Worst loss by our home country. It's a broken a 62-game unbeaten streak in competitive matches from 1975. It's just, it's possibly the most stunning result ever seen. I mean, you saw people eating Brazilian flags. <laughs> Snowjack is just... I think they had the right police were called into the stadium as well because um, they just went nuts. Yeah. Which I don't blame them to be... Oh, I mean, I do blame them, but <laughs> you can understand why they went nuts, I suppose. I guess the, the follow-up question then is, um, obviously they're going to play in the third-place playoff, which is probably one of the most useless games in football, but do the Brazilians now see that as a chance to save some face, or do you think that that game will have just shattered them? I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. I just think it's going to be goals, I mean... That's gonna go whatever. Why are we here? It'll be the most lazy game ever, in my opinion. I don't think any or either team really wants to win. To be honest, uh, they're not really playing for anything. So just, a bit of a write off. I just don't understand it. I mean, I guess it's another game. It's more you know revenue, that sort of thing, more tickets sold, all that sort of thing. But it just seems such a strange game to be playing. And, and when you've even got Van Hal coming out and basically saying, "I've complained about it for ten years and nothing's changed." I mean, the managers aren't involved. You know, they're not behind it. They're not keen to play in it. I just don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll yeah move on to the other semi, which was <laughs> standing in stark contrast to the goal fest we had. Between Brazil and Germany, we had a nil-nil between the Dutch and Argentina this morning, where the Argentines came out 4-2 victors on the penalty shootout, um, courtesy of Sergio Romero. Um, how did you guys see this one? Um, it was probably one more for a football purist, necessarily, than a casual fan. I don't think yeah. anyone could have enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, I was watching it this morning, and it was an awful, awful game. Um, and you, you, I expected a lot more from Argentina, given the sort of attacking talent that they have. Uh, they didn't do it much, to be honest. I mean, they won the game, but... <laughs> you could just say, it was just, like, the two best players on each team was uh, Mascarano for Argentina, who was very good in nullifying Robin and the Dutch, and also Ron Bois, who was... He just suddenly turned into this world-class centre-back who was stopping everything. Oh, he had a great game, yeah. I thought the, the other one that, that I'd mention would be, um, well, both Martin Zindi and De Jong in nullifying Messi. <laughs> It just had no impact on the game whatsoever. Yeah, it's just it was a defensive cagey game, and just the two best players on the pitch, Robin and Messi, just had no space to do anything. Yeah, it was quite an interesting one, um, and I guess um, it, it, w- it was quite interesting to see that. I think the point was made that Argentina went into the World Cup with one of the best strike forces and one of the weakest defenses, and yet they've gotten to the final ha- having scored seven goals and having only conceded, I think, two goals um, or three goals, uh, which is quite quite amazing um, given everyone's expectations of them. Well, I have to say Romero really did impress me during that shootout as well because I, I did not rate him at all, but oh, he yeah. had a couple of decent saves. <laughs> we've, said, we've said quite a number of times on here that he's... He's probably not been one of the better keepers at the World Cup, and he's just pulled out an amazing penalty shootout. That's yep. Quite, quite outstanding. Um, Big footy knocker on him. <laughs> yeah. 
did you how do you guys see uh, Argentina lining up for the final? Do you see Di Maria as a chance to come back in if if fit? I suppose I haven't I, I haven't heard the latest. I thought Martin Tyler suggested that he might be fit for the final, but I haven't heard too much else about it. I reckon he'll be a, if he's fit, he'll probably be a second half substitute, probably around sixtieth minute. That will potency to the attack. Oh, I'll, I'll, starting. I'll, I'll definitely agree. I'll, he'll definitely play at some point, but it's just a question of when. Yeah, I think you can't really uh, hold any cards close to your chest in a final, I suppose. Um, do, do you see... I mean, obviously, we've got the two different styles of the semi-finals. Do you see the final playing more into Argentina's hands or into Germany's hands in terms of will it be a KG or will it be... Well, if, even if, if it's free-flowing, do you think that maybe suits Argentina as well? If it's... If it's free-flying and there's a lot of space, it probably will suit Argentina as their attacking weapons are far superior to Germany's, but the Germans won't do that. They'll shut down space and they'll create space for themselves only, so I expect... I just reckon it'll suit Germany. I mean, they're the, probably they're the best team in this World Cup. I mean, I just think they're going to win. I think they'll grind out a result. So you got both of you going for Germany then? Yeah, I'm going Germany. Because last time they faced in the World Cup, Germany completely smashed Argentina, and I was going Germany 3-0. I just can't see anyone else winning it, to be honest. Uh, well, well Maradona was in charge last time, so I'm not sure how much you can sort of dig into that. True. This is Germans. I mean, they just... I mean, they have probably they have better defenders, best goalkeeper in the world, and they played the right 11 in my choice. Yeah, and it's I, think, just, I think they're kind of coming into some good form right at the right time of the tournament. That, that, you know, they've kind of eased through the group and then suddenly looking quite impressive. Speaking at the right moment, and ten, and when there's no standout teams in World Cups, Germans tend to win. <laughs> yeah, well, it's surprising the way that that sort of worked out because I think there's a lot of expectation on a couple of sides going into the World Cup, and some of them haven't quite performed. Obviously, Brazil chief amongst them. Uh, mm. Do you see? Do you see any? major changes to the German side that beat Brazil, or do you see them probably just going with the same side to keep the confidence up? Maybe Kersler out for Goetz there, but that's the only realistic change I can see, but I doubt that will happen. Is I mean, you can't really make a change from a 7-1 thrashing now, can you? <laughs> no. I don't think you can, really, can you? I actually like Kersler up front, because I think he offers just something different. I mean, he's a physical presence. I think he plays well for them. It's a good poacher. Yeah. Yeah, and so basically the final is played the Monday morning. We've got the third place game the day before. Um, are you guys going to be getting up for the third place playoff? I'll probably watch it. Just put it on IQ and just sleep in and watch it whenever. That's my plan as well. I won't be getting up for that. Yeah, I think I've got a few mates who are pretty keen to watch it, and I can't really understand their thinking with that one, so I'll probably give it a miss as well. Um, so, so Cookson, you're going 3-0 for the final. Uh, Red Alert, what's your tip? 2-0 uh, Germany, I think. Miller with both. Miller with both, okay. Uh, it's hard for me, because I think I'm, I've think i been backing Argentina all tournament, but I do have to agree Germany's looking better, so I might go with a 2 one just to uh, just to show a little bit of sympathy for the um, Argentines, but I do I do think it would be a good final. I think either way, um, if it's a bit locked down, Argentina's been playing quite a cagey sort of style all the way through. Really, I mean they've had quite a few one nil results, and obviously the nil nil with the Netherlands. So uh, they're they're going to be pretty prepared for a cagey fight. Um, and if it's open, obviously as you said, Cooks, and I think that'll suit them as well. So uh, it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, well, I've met the finals twice. I'm in '86 which was 3-2, 
which is judging by a fairly open game. Then we had uh, 1990, which was just a giant lump of shit, really. <laughs> that's oh, I think it'll one. be a close game, yeah. sort of either way. I yeah. Think, yeah, I think that's been the way of the finals. Like, obviously, 06 and, and 2010, they've both gone extra time. Um, I think that seems to be the way. And as, as we've seen, the trend of this tournament already is that as it progresses, it's getting cagier and cagier, obviously, apart from the Germany-Brazil game. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if this went to extra time, to be honest. But, um, yeah, you, you never know come the final. Any, anything can happen, really. Um, any any last thoughts on the final, guys, before we, we move on to um, just a quick roundup of transfers? Well, do we don't know who the two is the road? Do we know who the? I don't think we know who the referee is, don't we? Uh, no. No. Do we? Do we know when that gets announced? I think f- Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Or yeah. Saturday. It hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. Oh, I think something controversial will happen. Something at controversial. Some point. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the way, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it'll be a penalty or something. Oh. Messi, Messi wins a penalty or something like that. Probably for a dive. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, it was interesting. Someone said it, it, it's kind of good Brazil and Netherlands playing off in, for the third place. They're the sides that have more of the um, acrobatic players in them. I mean, apart from maybe Muller and a couple of the Germans, I suppose, there aren't too many players that strike me as massive divers in either side. There hasn't really been much divers in this World Cup, apart from the usual suspects and Robin. And Neymar when he was fit as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So hopefully it's a pretty clean final. But yeah, given the fact that it's a final, I'm sure something will happen. Something will grab the grab the headlines. It's Argentina. They will bring out their inner bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on from there. Um, transfer news. Obviously, in the last 24 hours or so, uh, the potential transfer of Suarez to Barcelona is heating up. Um, do you guys see that it's going through anytime soon? Do you think it's one of those ones that will just drag and drag and drag and finally go through like Gareth Bale did or do you think it will get wrapped up pretty soon? Probably the more it drags, I reckon the lower the price will get it is in my opinion because I mean a lot of Spanish well Barcelona newspapers are reporting one price and English papers are reporting one so it's somewhere between 55 to 70 million pounds so it's really depends but I'll probably do see it dragging out for another week or two before Suarez cracks the shits and inevitably goes. I saw quite an amusing article from the BBC today that they um, inquired to FIFA what he was actually allowed to do and not do um, while on his ban. And they had a quite an amusing list of things he was allowed to do and wasn't allowed to do. And one of the things he was allowed to do, which the BBC inquired about, was he's actually allowed to play a football match on FIFA. So I think he's in the clear for that. Um, <laughs> And he's allowed to go watch his kids play football at the park, but as long as they're, as long as they're not in a stadium. Um, but, oh, it's just, it's quite ridiculous how um, unclear, I suppose, this penalty is on him. And as I think someone on the board pointed out, I'm sure it'll clear up quite a lot once he goes to Barcelona, and quite conveniently, I think. Um, yeah. in, other, in other transfer news, I suppose, we've also got Sanchez and Debussy uh, nearing moves to Arsenal, which I think will be... Quite quite impressive for Arsenal. It's not not like them to make such strong additions to the squad this early in the transfer window. No, it's not even deadline day yet. So yeah, I know they're, they're getting in well ahead of time. So Arsenal's just lost its calendar. He probably thinks it's all September already. <laughs> he thinks the World Cup's dragged on too long. He needs to, <laughs> you know, get started. Uh, how do you, do you guys? I, I think I found quite interesting in this transfer window already is that 
there seems to be quite a lot of positive moves by a lot of clubs. I can't think of too many clubs that aren't strengthening strengthening their squads quite significantly. I mean, obviously you've got Chelsea and Man City and, and Arsenal all strengthening quite well. I mean, Liverpool, not as much. Even United bringing in Luke Shaw and um, Herrera and potentially... Was there, was there another one coming in, Cookson? Yep, Vidal. Vidal, that's right. Yeah. Is Vidal confirmed, or is that still sort of on the still table? still going on that a lot of talks saying that if ever goes to Juventus, because apparently that's now picking up, that we'll get Vidal. Well, yeah, I think I saw, I saw on Sky Sports News, I think it's expected to go through today, ever to Juventus. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame, as I love Paddy. He's been a good servant for the club. Oh, I don't think he's quite the player he once was. I think you get that when you get old. He's, quite, he's been quite durable as well, hasn't he? Because um, I only noticed it recently when um, there was a bit of talk about Robbie Brady for us playing at left-back, and apparently back in the day, Alex Ferguson saw him as uh, a potential left-back replacement for Everett down the line, uh, and the point was made that Everett had been so durable, but United didn't really have that many other left-back options. Yeah, he probably has played too much games occasionally, and he probably did get overplayed a lot, because he's now... He gets knackered easily, but he's still a good player, good technique, and if he does leave, I'll probably miss him because he's leader in the team. He, he looked, he's even looked quite impressive for France at the World Cup, so it's not as if he's um, he's lost too much. But uh, yeah, I think the full season probably takes it out of him. I think as well he struggled under Moyes as well because that whole team looked awful. Oh, I think they all struggled under Moyes, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, <laughs> he yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of work to do, so that always makes the cape look better. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just a shame. And also, apparently, we're signing Vermalion. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're yeah. signing a bit. I understand the logic behind it, because we need cover for centre-back and left-back if he ever leaves, and he can play both positions adequately and is left-footed, which Van Hal wants. Well, yeah, it will be interesting. And uh, red alert, uh, any moves from Blackburn? Any significant moves in the championship to talk about? Um, uh, the biggest one would have been um, Fulham signing uh, oh, yeah. Ross McCormack for 11. 11 million, which is big ones, yeah. That is a huge move, um, and he's really not that good of a player. He's really not. I mean, I think he got his stats. He was one of those strikers who got his uh, goal-scoring stats padded out by quite a, quite a few penalties last season. Oh, he, he had a great season, but he's not that good. I don't think there's any championship players that are worth that much, to be honest. I, I was kind of comparing it, uh, Fulham obviously going straight down and, and buying one of the biggest strikers in the in the league, to um, you guys buying Jordan Rhodes when you went down, but very, very different, because obviously Jordan Rhodes was quite young at the time, and you, what, you shelled out $7 million for him, I think it was, or $8 uh, Eight, I think. Yeah. And at that time, I thought that was a lot of money for him, but obviously he's proved the goods, and he was quite young, so he had a bit of sell-on value, but McCormack's 29 or 30, I think. He's not really a spring chicken. Oh, they'll lose their investment. Um, Rhodes is interesting because he's sort of stayed around his value, even in, even though he has had two great seasons, which sort of tells me we overpaid for him even then, two years ago. Yeah. Well, because you were buying him from um, Huddersfield, who'd just come up, I think. Yeah. Uh, I know we've been linked to him a couple of times, and it's, yeah, been quoted... That if we wanted him, it'd cost about ten million or so, you know, yeah, eight to ten million sort of thing. Um, but he's looking very good for you guys. So, how do you guys think you're going to go the next season? Uh, don't think it'll be our year quite yet. Um, there's just a few too many weaknesses in the squad. Uh, so hopefully we make playoffs. But even that might not be um, a bit optimistic. Well, uh, hopefully Tom Kenny and um, Johnny Ev- Johnny Ev- uh, Corey Evans can stay fit for you guys and um, do a, do a bit for you guys. I'll be watching out for them uh, as former. Uh- 
City Boys. Oh, certainly hope so. Yeah, so nah, all the best for that season. Um, any other transfer news in the last week that we want to talk about? Tony Kroos to Real Madrid, potentially. Yeah, that, that, that looks an interesting one, because I think there was um, some talk about... No, sorry, I'm thinking of Royce. Royce was, there was there was that silly rumour that he could have been targeted by Liverpool. No. Yeah, uh, Kroos to Real Madrid would be an interesting one. I mean, and for £25 million, so... Well, you guys, you guys were looking at him at one point, weren't you? Yeah, I think Moyes wanted so to sign January? him. January? Yeah, Moyes yeah. wanted to sign him, but Van Gaal didn't, because he wants more dynamic midfielders. I mean... Kroos is good, but he's not the most dynamic lad, and he probably wouldn't fit in Van Gaal's system as such. But still, it's a cheap deal. I mean, twenty—I think twenty-five million euros, and he's getting two hundred and fifty grand a week. Oh, jeez. Well, so yeah, still probably worth every cent. The mind—the mind is boggled by the amount of money that Real Madrid have to throw around at players these days. Um, they just seem to be buying like buying up all the attacking talent in the world. Yeah, it's well. That's a Madrid strategy, isn't it? Just play FIFA, find the highest rated players and go and buy them. <laughs> I think the other big sub transfer is uh, Mandzukic to Atletico. Yeah, I was quite impressed with that one, actually. I think that'll be quite a good get for them. I think he was being targeted by Arsenal earlier in the window as well, and obviously they've moved on to Sanchez. Um, so, no, I think he'll be a good replacement for Costa, who... Uh, has that, that hasn't been confirmed to Chelsea yet, has it? It's still in the works. I thought they did confirm it. I think they tweeted something, maybe. Yeah, it's like the release clause has been made. It's just some... Personal of terms? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Which is quite interesting, because obviously he would have had... The, the move to Chelsea would have been in the works for a while, so you'd hope that the personal terms are going to get wrapped up pretty quickly as a, from a Chelsea point of view. No, it's been confirmed. Oh, it's been confirmed? Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah so like I, I think Mandzukic will be quite a good replacement for him at Atletico. Might actually be better, given how uh, Costa's gone. How, how he's finished off, yeah. Well, I, I hope, uh, in a similar vein, I hope that Southampton can replace the players that they've lost, because... With Atletico and Southampton being such unexpected standouts this season, it would be such a shame if they kind of had all their players plundered and they just slipped back down the table. Well, they've gotten quite a bit of money. I mean, was it 20, what, 30, 25? 25 for Lallana, 32 for Shaw, potentially 20 to 25 for um, uh, Lovren. They got a bit for Lambert as well. Five, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. So they should have a bit of uh, money to spend. I mean... Hope Kerman spends it well. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting times. I think if you're a Southampton fan, um, and it'll be in- interesting times over the coming days watching the World Cup final. So um, I think we'll sign off there, boys. Thanks very much for joining me. Yep. Just before we sign off completely, we should yep. probably also talk about the Stefano, who unfortunately oh, yeah. died in the past week, but one hell of a player. When I mean, Bobby Charlton calls him one of the best ever, I mean that's good enough for me. I mean, yeah. Uh, Quite uh, absolute legends. The original Galactico, you could say. But yeah, the football world is worse for his loss. I was a bit disappointed about um, what Brazil did uh, prior to their game. I think they refused to hold a minute silence or something like that. Yeah, I know there so, was a minute's applause during the Argentina game. Everyone wore black armbands. Yeah, a bit of talk that, that uh, sort of cursed Brazil during the Brazil-Germany game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's a bit unfortunate with that sort of thing. I mean, would that presumably be because he's Argentinian, or would there be some other factor in that? Or oh, it must be because he's Argentinian. Yeah, it's, it's a bit disappointing when that sort of thing stands in the way of it because it's just you know showing your respect for a great player. Yeah, 
But to, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because it did happen quite suddenly, um, yeah, just sort of out of the or well, not out of the blue. I suppose he was quite old, but um, yeah, I suppose it, it's a big loss for the footballing community. Okay, well on, on that on that note, um, thanks very much for joining me, boys. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening along. Uh, we'll see you next week with the result of the final. Thanks. We'll see you on the forums.